Hey, what's going on? FCA Palm Beach County family. Jason Banzoff here, area representative and producer and host of the FCA Palm Beach County podcast. We have a great episode lined up for you today. Before we get started, I just want to share something with you real quick. We are now winding down the spring semester of the times that we've spent in schools in Palm Beach County. And let me tell you, there were some absolutely amazing stories that happened. I want to encourage you to check out the FCA Palm Beach County Facebook page. You can see some of those stories and see some of the great things that we have coming up as well. And even though we're done with the semester of school and things are winding down and summer's starting, we're not done. We have a lot of great things that will be coming up this summer. So we want you to stay tuned on that. Now, I want to go into this great, amazing episode that we have. Our guest this month is Jason Romano from Sports Spectrum. Now, Jason is a man of many talents. He's the host of Sports Spectrum Podcast, where he's interviewed some of the biggest names in sports, all while exploring their faith journeys. He's also an accomplished author, having written books like The Uniform of Leadership and Live to Forgive. But that's not all. Jason has spent over 17 years at ESPN where he worked as a producer for shows like Mike and Mike and SportsCenter. And he's been on the front lines of sports media and has firsthand knowledge of how sports can impact lives in profound ways. Today, we're going to talk with Jason about his journey from his time at ESPN to his work at Sports Spectrum. We're also going to hear about his life story and how he came to know Jesus and everything in between. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired by the one and only Jason Romano. All right. Hey, Jason, thank you so much for, for being part of the FCA Palm Beach County podcast. Absolutely. Glad to be here, Jay. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I just want to say love Sports Spectrum, love what you're doing there, and I love how everything you do uh, points directly back to Jesus, which is what we hope to do here with FCA uh, Palm Beach County podcast. So I just want to get started real quick with you. You know, I'd love to to hear about your life a little bit, where you grew up and, and, and kind of your background. Yeah, I grew up in a little town uh, called Ravina, New York, uh, which is 12 miles south of the capital of New York State, Albany, New York. So about two hours north of New York City, uh, directly north. And, you know, it's a little bit west of the Massachusetts border and a little south from Vermont. And so we were in this area that that was a big sports area, but didn't have like a pro sports team. Um but I grew up loving sports and that came from my dad that came from my grandfather. And we just grew up in a sports family. You know, I'm one of three boys. So all three of us, you know, being my dad's sons, just were indoctrinated into the sports world at a very young age. Uh, I remember at my sixth birthday party, having a Roger Staubach Jersey on and getting like a little Dallas Cowboys, I don't know, action figure of some sort. And, uh, knowing even at five or six years old that I was a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Right. And, you know, people listening might be like, Oh boy, a Cowboys fan. I don't want to hear from this guy, but <laughs> yeah, I am. goes back to 79 when I was six years old and I'm still a Cowboys fan today, but it's basically what my life revolved around as, as a young person. I didn't care about really too much. I mean, I was a kid who loved Star Wars and I loved, you know, watching movies and cartoons and shows and stuff like that. But sports was was sort of the ever present thing in my life. It's all I wanted to do. It's all I wanted to play. It's all I wanted to watch. Uh, I collected, you know, baseball cards, football cards, you name it throughout my childhood. And I just loved it. And in many ways, I tell people like sports was my God. It's what I worshiped. It's what I what I cared about most, it's what I put first in my life. That was probably from a very young age all the way until, gosh, into my 20s. And so 
sports was everything for me. I grew up going to church occasionally. You know, I made my first communion. I was baptized as a baby. I, you know, did my uh, confirmation when I was 13 or 14 and at St. Patrick's Church in Ravenna. And so I did those things, but faith wasn't really a part of my life. Mm -hmm. If I'm being honest, I just kind of did them because somebody told me I should do them. Um, You know, check a box, whatever, try to please mom and dad, please my grandparents. So I did those things, but I didn't have any idea that a relationship with Jesus even existed or that that was a thing um, or that the Bible was real and, you know, salvation and repentance and all of that. Like I had no idea what any of that was. Um, I just focused on sports. And so when I got through high school, you know, I realized I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. Uh, The next best thing was to try and work in sports and talk about sports. And so I set my sights focusing on broadcasting and hopefully someday being in the sports broadcasting space. I went to college for all four years uh, in the two different schools that I went to, strictly focused on broadcasting. It's all I wanted to do. It's all I cared about. Learning about media. I hosted my own radio show. I did some play-by-play some color commentary, lots of editing, lots of producing experience, got out of college and got my first job in local radio uh, in Albany, New York at a 50,000 watt news talk giant uh, AM station, uh, WGY in Albany, New York, uh, the first radio station ever in New York state. And for three years did that, loved it, had so much fun, learned how to produce, learned how to do radio, learned how to be a professional I uh, was not on air. Uh, my dream in high school and college was to be on air. But once I got out of college, I realized that I was not talented enough to be on air. At least I didn't think I was. So I focused on producing. And that's what I did for the next 20 years was produce radio, produce television, produce media content, uh, both locally at WGY and then getting that big break in 2000 and ending up at ESPN and working there for 17 years. So that's, that's the journey. Um, in 1999, I got married to my wife, Dawn. So we'll be celebrating 24 years of marriage this year. Uh, congratulations. We have a daughter, Sarah. Thanks, man. Yeah. It's been 24 years. Just saying that out loud is nuts. Um, we have a daughter, Sarah, who is, uh, just finished up her freshman year of college at Indiana Wesleyan up in Marion, Indiana. And is doing great. And so, yeah, that's the life we live. And I've been with Sports Spectrum now for six years. So it's been it's been a great journey. Wow. Very uh, impressive resume you got there. And, and I, for me, it's, it was kind of interesting. When I was about 10 or 11, I had this dream of being a radio DJ at one point. So you kind of got to do uh, nice. some really cool things back then. So I love that. I DJ too in college and a little bit professionally, but I've been a DJ, not a DJ like that you would see at weddings yeah. or at a party. DJing like I was, you know, a disc jockey on a radio station. And that's exactly music. what so I wanted. I, yeah, that's yeah. what I did in college, and I thought this is fun. And then I did a sports talk show, and I'm like, this that's more fun to me to talk about sports. Uh, and did a little bit of disc jockeying uh, the first couple years out of college, but not much. I, I really I enjoyed the production side of things, and I really enjoyed. Um, being a part of like a show and producing shows and putting content together um, where you had more time to talk through and there were elements and interviews and, you know, news breaks and weather updates and things like that. I enjoyed that type of thing more than just playing music on the radio. Although I loved music and still do. Um, I found my, my niche, I think doing that and it naturally transferred over to ESPN, which is all sports all the time. Okay. Wow. It's, 
I love that. And and so you were talking earlier, you know, you went to, you grew up kind of going to church every once in a while, you got confirmed, you had your communion, you did all of that, but but you had to have some kind of like radical encounter with Jesus. Can you, can you share that with us? Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you use those words, because I think initially when I first became a Christian, I wouldn't call it a radical encounter, but when you look back, you realize that's exactly what it was because it was a divine appointment that God had ordained. So in 1998, going way back, um, my brother, Chris, who is two years younger than me, became a follower of Christ. And we all had kind of grown up Catholic, but then were nominal church going kind of people who really didn't, even when I got married in 1999, you know, we just got married in a church, but it wasn't because we were believers. It was just because that's what you do, right? You get married in a church. Uh, but my brother got saved, like radically saved. You talk about a radical encounter with Jesus. My brother had that because he was headed down a path that was not a good place to go. Uh, he was living a life that was not pleasing to God or his family. Let's just say mm, that. Okay. And suddenly God got a hold of him thanks to his now wife, Tara, and Chris Romano um, became the first Romano, as far as I know, that became a follower of Christ and encountered Jesus in a radical way. Now, over the next three years, I watched him and I thought, okay, what is up with this dude? Like, he's a different guy. It's not anything bad, but it feels like it's a cult or some kind of religious crazy thing or something going on with him. Um, but over those three years, particularly after I got married to my wife in 99, I was watching my brother very carefully on how he was living his life. He was loving his wife in a beautiful way, in a way that I wanted to emulate and try to love my wife. He was a new dad to our my nephew, his son, Samuel. And I watched how he loved Sam and how he was as a dad, gentle and kind. He was still my brother and we, you know, we're, we're still busting each other's chops, but he was a different person. And it was a very attractive way to live that I saw with him. Now, at this time, you know, I had just gotten married. Eventually, I get the job at ESPN. We moved to Connecticut. You know, we buy a house. Like things on the surface for me are going really well. So I'm not having this moment where I'm like in desperation, in need of something more deep and in rooted in some kind of bigger purpose, right? I, I, don't feel, I don't feel like I was in that place. But in Mother's Day of 2001, May of 2001, my, my brother invites me and my mom and my other brother, Damien, to his church. Now, you'll laugh at this, Jay. My brother got saved in a uh, charismatic, evangelical Pentecostal church. We grew up in a Catholic church. Mm. This is not a knock on either of these churches, but it's quite different, the experience, <laughs> right? And yep. so when you grow up and all you know is like mass and the Catholic church, and then you get invited to go to your brother's church and you walk in there, it's like going from, you know, kind of like a library of sorts where everything's kind of like, you know, at this tone and kind of settle to, to a party, where there's dancing and clapping and there's, you know, bands up on a stage and then there's people raising their hands and jumping up and down. And I'm thinking, this is church. This is crazy. I'd never seen anything like this. And that was a little turn offish at first witnessing worship uh, for the first time. I'm like, this isn't normal. Um, but I sat down and I observed that, but then I listened to the message 
that day. And the pastor came up, spoke for about a half hour, and I was really intrigued by what he said. I don't remember exactly what he talked about. I'm certain the gospel was shared, but I was at least interested enough to hear what he was saying Mm. and listen. So after the church service gets over, we all end up back at my brother's house and he just kind of, we're walking into the kitchen or whatever. And he looks at me and he says, what did you think of the service? And I said, Chris, I said, I have never seen anything like this, but it wasn't that bad. It was okay. And it was almost like a antenna went up on my brother's head. And and I just give him so much credit for responding to this antenna, which I truly believe was the Holy spirit. And he says, come with me, Jay, if you could. Now, at this time, I'm 27 years old. He's 24, 25. And we go to the back bedroom of his house and we sit down on sort of the foot of the bed and at the end of the bed. And he just says, you didn't hate it, huh? You didn't hate the church service? I said, no. I said, it was okay. I said, I'm not sure what it was, but it was okay. He's like, well, can I share with you the gospel and, and what's turned my life around? And I said, yeah, I said, go ahead. You know, he's my brother. I, I'm, I'm willing to listen to him, even if it feels or sounds a little crazy. And he proceeds for the next 10 minutes to kind of share who Jesus was, our need for a savior, the sin that we're born into and, you know, salvation, the meaning of the cross and, you know, Jesus raising from the dead and, and how he's alive and, and, and why that relationship is so necessary for us to have to inherit eternal life. And I'm hearing this and I'm like, I don't really fully understand what he's saying, but if it changed his life, I'm at least open at this moment to think about it, maybe changing mine. And so he said, very similar to what Matthew said or what Jesus said, I think it's in Matthew when he says, um, do you believe, do you believe this? And I said, I said, I think I, I think I do. And he's like, well, do you want this? I said, what does that mean? Like, what does that entail? And so for the next few minutes we prayed together and he just kind of walked me through what some would deem as the sinner's prayer. Um, There's no sinner's prayer per se in the Bible, but it was repentance and Jesus, I need you in my life. And, you know, I'm a sinner and I want to put my faith and trust in you and live for you. And so I said this prayer, gave me a big hug. And we walked back out and we had lunch with my family on Mother's Day or dinner. And I, I felt really good, but I don't know if I had died that day that I would have gone to heaven only because I didn't fully understand or know what I was saying yes yep. to. But I tell people all the time, and this is clear in the Bible and the people that Jesus witnessed to and worshiped with was, you don't have to have it all figure out to start to say yes to Jesus, you don't have to have it all figured out. All you got to do is have a willingly open heart to say, okay, I'll, I'll give this a try. Let's see where this goes. And that's kind of where I was. That's why it wasn't necessarily a radical encounter with Jesus. It was more of just trying something that I felt was the right thing to try. Yeah. Uh, it's the best decision I've ever made. It's the greatest moment of my life when I really think about what happened after that. Um, my brother built this legacy that's going to carry on from me and from my other brother, Damien and, and our wives and ultimately all of our children that will carry on hopefully to my daughter's children's children's children. And it starts from Chris just saying to me, can we go in the back bedroom? I want to share something with you. It's powerful. When I, when I tell it like that, 
you know, but the moment it happened, I wouldn't call it a radical encounter yeah. because it wasn't like I did a 180. It was probably over the next year to year and a half that I began to learn about the man Jesus, that I began to read the Bible for the first time in my life, that I began to watch televangelists on TV and actually hear messages instead of watching sports highlights, right? Um, and a year and a half later, I think it was September of 2002 is when I got baptized, when I made that decision at 28 years old. 29 almost to get baptized and to say, yeah, I'm all in with this Jesus guy. And it's been 30, you know, 20 years since and still working on it, still doing the best I can. But uh, I'm so glad that, that the Lord is is in my life. That's for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, I can kind of uh, sympathize with you. The first time I went to a church, I had no church background at all in a little um small backwoods church in Western Maryland. And people were raising their hands going crazy. And I was like, what is this? And at the yes. end of the day, I experienced Jesus and it was, yeah. it was something I'll never forget. I remember the date yeah, is the December 5th, 1999. I, I love that. Yeah. Mine was, I wish I knew the day, but it's mother's day, 2001 and, and mother's day is different every year. I'd have to go look it up and see, I, I should remember this, but I, I will tell you this. The first time I think I really encountered the grace of God and, and Jesus in a real way was a couple years later you know, during this time of, of asking Christ into my life, um, my wife and I were trying to have children and we had gotten married in 99 and for three years walked through a, a lot of infertility and not being able to get pregnant. And, um, you know, there was a little bit of a desperation, I think, on my part to ask God into my life because I was looking for something, too. I was looking to have my wife get pregnant and for us to have kids. Obviously, I realize that's not how God works. Like you don't just ask him in your life so that you can get stuff from him. Um, it's not transactional in that way, you know, our relationship with Christ. But in 2003, my wife and I got a call that she was pregnant and I dropped to my knees and wept like a child and just in gratitude, thanked God for his grace to allow us to become parents. And that was probably the the most emotional I've ever been. And that was early in my faith journey, right? Like a year or two in, but I was so emotionally, I don't know, set up with gratitude from who God was and answer and having a real prayer answered for the first time in my life. And knowing that there was nothing that we could do over those three years of infertility other than do the best we could to try and have a child and go see doctors and take medicine. But still, ultimately, it's it's God's gift to us. And there are people who never get pregnant and have kids. Yeah. Thankfully, we were able to have Sarah. And um, I mean, I that was you want to talk about a radical encounter with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, that was that was the moment in uh, September of 2003 when my wife found out, you know, that she was pregnant with what what would become our daughter. Oh, no, I love that story. Um, hits on to me cause I'm kind of in a, so was in a similar situation as well, um, with our son. So I, I love, love, love that. So I want to switch gears a little yeah. bit and let's talk about your time with, uh, with ESPN. So you kind of live this dream, right? Everyone thinks ESPN is the, the top prime, you know, sports broadcasting. So, so what was your time like at ESPN? Yeah, it was what you just described it as the the top prime sports broadcasting spot. And when I got there, I remember my first day I walked in and I saw Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann and Stuart Scott and Bob Lee and all of these legends who I've watched since I was, you know, a young, young boy, a teenager. And I thought, ah, I'm being paid to be in this same place with them. Like I'm a teammate of theirs. 
how crazy is this? And got to be honest with you, over 17 years, you know, the shine never really wore off for me. There were days that I didn't enjoy working and going to my job. Everybody has those days. There were people that I worked with that I didn't get along with. Everybody has those people. But in for the most part, 17 years, when you're working at a place like ESPN and you're the biggest sports fan, you know, there is like you're you're in sports heaven. You're, you're, you get to talk about sports and cover sports and you're paid to watch sports. Think about that. <laughs> if you're a sports fan and somebody wanted to pay you to watch football on Sundays, would you sign up for that? You probably 100%. would. Of course, because you do it anyways without being paid. In fact, you pay others to watch sports. That's how it works, right? When we go to games. But they were paying me to cover sports. And I got to do that for 17 years. I started in radio. Then I went to television. Then I stayed in the television side, but also worked in social media and digital media. And it was a blast. I mean, I got to meet for the most part, all of my sports heroes. I got to be even friends with one, particularly Daryl Strawberry, who's uh, my baseball hero as a kid with the New York Mets. And I met him at ESPN, spent a day with him. And ultimately, it's turned into a friendship that continues to this day. Um, that's very much rooted in our mutual love for Jesus. So it's really cool to look back at my time at ESPN and think about all the blessings that I had. And in many ways, didn't even know. I will say this, though, the first eight or nine years of my 17 years there, the first half, I was all screwed up with my identity. Like, mm -hmm. I love Jesus and I, I became a Christian and started that journey and eventually became a dad and all these things. But I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't have my, my identity put into my job or who I was as an ESPN producer. You know, all I thought about was my job. And I, I thought about my wife and my daughter too. But my job was like 1A, 1B, 1C with my wife and daughter. Mm. It was the third, you know, one of the three most important things. And unfortunately, the most important thing quite often in my life. And I'm not proud of that. You know, I was still learning as a Christian. I don't think I was discipled properly when I was younger. I was just kind of going to church and I went to a, a few Bible studies here and there, but I didn't really have a person discipling me for seven or eight years. And so I just kind of grew as a Christian, but didn't really grow as a follower of Christ. And I feel like there's a difference there. Um, and as I'm venturing through this time at ESPN, I'll tell you a quick story if that's okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There was a, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame coach named Tony Dungy is coming to ESPN. And this is 2010, right? So this is 10 years into my journey at ESPN. And I get to spend the day with him. As a producer, I'm producing his content, walking him around, taking him from show to show, setting up his schedule. He brings with him a couple of people with him, including his assistant, Jessica. And uh, he's promoting his book, The Mentor Leader, which was one of the best leadership books that's been around over the last decade. So people should read that book for sure. But if you know Coach Dungy, you know that this man loves Jesus yeah. and that he is so focused on being a follower of Christ first over everything else. And so Coach Dungy comes and I'm excited to meet him and talk to him. And all, all of a sudden we find ourselves in the green room at ESPN, just hanging out, waiting between shows. And he had found out that I was a Christian and he just said, Jason, I love that you're a follower of Christ. I, I hear you're posting things on social media, Bible verses. It's wonderful. Let me ask you a question, though. How do you live your faith out in the workplace here at ESPN? And I'd never been asked that question. 
I tell people now that that question changed my life forever when I really think about it, because I had never thought about that. I always thought if you're going to live your faith out in, in a job, that your job was a pastor or a preacher, or you worked for a faith-based nonprofit, or you worked for FCA Mm. or Sports Spectrum or Athletes in Action. And that's where you could live your faith out because it was faith-based. And so I told Coach Dungy, I said, I don't think you can do that at ESPN. Can you? Like, I'm I'm a producer and I'm a Christian, but like, how do I live my faith out? I said, I don't even think I can do that. Can I? And you could just sense like a disappointment in Coach Dungy's eyes. And he kind of puts his head down for a minute, shakes his head. And right as he's about to step up and say something, and if you know Coach Dungy, he's like this gentle giant, right? He's not very loud. He's very soft-spoken, but he commands respect when you listen to him. Very much in the same vein of a, a John Wooden, I would say. But right before he was about to respond, Jessica stands up. And Jessica and I had known each other through some projects we had worked on previously, Jessica looks at me and she says, don't you get what coach Dungy's trying to ask you? And she puts her hands on her hips and kind of shakes her head like a, like a stern mom who's upset that their kid came home late for dinner. You know, that, that mom moment. Yeah. And she just stares at me like this and she says, don't you get it? And I said, yes, um, you know, thankfully we had known each other. So she felt like willing enough to be able to do that. But she's like, or she's like, Jason, look where you work. What Coach Dungy's asking, what he means is you can have an influence on a lot of people every day you walk into these buildings, to these four walls of ESPN. And I told her, I said, yeah, there's like 3,000 people here. And she goes, see, think about that. Think about all of the different people that you can impact for Jesus. And she's like, maybe God will call you away someday to ministry or go work for Athletes in Action or FCA or sports spectrum and spoiler alert, that's where I am now. Maybe you'll go do that someday, but until God calls you away, maybe into that world, you're to bloom where you are planted right here. And I'll never forget that bloom where you are planted. And it was like a light bulb went on for me right as she was saying it. And I got it. I understood that. Yeah. Maybe I can't walk around ESPN with a Bible in my hand and across on my shirt and tell people that, you know, they need to be saved. Maybe I can't do that, but I could go and be, you know, the best ambassador and example of Jesus as anyone could in those four walls by loving people, by serving them, by carrying myself in a way that hopefully would be, um, you know, pleasing to Jesus and not to man. Right. And and it would stand out. Something would be different. And so I tell people that day, and ultimately, over the next year, I went from being an ESPN producer who happened to be a Christian to being a follower of Christ who happened to be a husband, a dad, an ESPN producer, whatever you want to put underneath that, that moniker of seeking the kingdom of God first and everything else will fall in its place. Matthew 6.33, that's what I went. I, I, it was a simple twisting of identity and title to fully understand and, and, and realize that God couldn't just be a piece of my life, that he had to be the centerpiece of all that I was. And it starts with him. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God first. It starts with that and everything else falls under that. So wherever I go now, and I'm not perfect at it by any means, I screw this up every day. We were talking about it in our Bible study last night about how much we, we screw this up. 
But I try to remember that I'm a follower of Christ first, whether I'm at the grocery store, I'm at church, I'm doing my job, I'm doing this interview with you, I'm meeting with friends. If I was at ESPN, I'm still a follower of Christ first, who then happens to be whatever else there is underneath that. And it changed my life, Jay. Tony Dungy asking that question, Jessica having the boldness to stand up and speak words of affirmation and truth into my life allowed me then from that day on to approach my job at ESPN, my job at Sports Spectrum, and really life in a much different light, understanding that my identity was found not in what I do, but who I am as a follower of Christ. I'm, I'm almost kind of speechless with that story. Like, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't even know what to say after that. Like, that is just, a, I would say almost a little bit like, that was your radical Jesus encounter right there. God used yes. Coach Dungy and Jessica to be able to speak that into you and totally change like what your your viewpoint was on your relationship between your job and your faith. And so I it's a perspective I, change, Jet. And I tell people too, when when especially young people, like if you are listening and you're a high school or a college student, um, it's very easy to get wrapped up in your athletic prowess and your achievement and trying to be the best athlete that you can be. And you know, this with FCA, this is what FCA is all about. Like it starts with Jesus and someday your, your athletic career is going to end and then what? Right. And someday my job, which it did at ESPN ends and then what, or whatever I do, you know, and then what, and then what, and then what, and then what ultimately leads to, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus first, then what leads to nothing? Yeah. But that's the firm foundation, right? That we talk about building your house on the, on the rock of Christ and not the sinking sand that everything else is involved with. And so the young people listening, I just, I encourage you to remember that you're a follower of Christ first. Everything else flows from that. You're not an athlete first who happens to be a Christian. You're a follower of Christ who happens to be an athlete, who happens to be a college student or a high school student, who happens to be a son or a daughter or a father or a brother or a sister, whatever it is. Start with Jesus. And I, yeah, you're right. It was a radical moment when I think about uh, telling the story as I'm telling you, like that was that was a radical Jesus moment. I don't even think I understood it at the time, but I know that question that Coach Dungy asked me uh, still to this day. 13 years later resonates with me. And I tell the story to as many people as possible. So they understand. Mm. We just went to church right there. So thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> All right, so, in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, I got two more points here that I just want to talk about real quick. And um, we're winding down on time here, but let's talk about you, you left yeah. ESPN and, and you, you, you know, what, what was God speaking to you in that moment when you left ESPN? Well, it started with Coach Dungy and Jessica, right? And kind of getting this idea of um, placing Jesus first in my life. And that was 2010. And it was around 2015, five years later, when I started to have this inkling in my gut, but ultimately it was God speaking to me and the Holy Spirit speaking to me, that maybe I'm not meant to either stay at ESPN forever, but ultimately what I was feeling was, God wants me to do more for him. That's what I was sensing. Not an audible voice telling me this, but just what I was sensing. Like, God, I know you want me to do more for you. And it really started in 2014. And Jesus 
um, I don't know, he started getting a hold of me a little bit. And my pastor asked me in 2014 to be an elder and on the leadership board at my church. And I just thought, that's nuts. I'm not qualified to do that. I didn't go to seminary. I don't know the Bible back and forth. And yet I'm an elder at my church. It's been nine years now, which is crazy. And that was the start of like, okay, God, what else do you want me to do? Literally your, your will, not mine. And 2015, I started meeting with some, a few people and hearing for the first time that there were people working in the faith world doing the same job I was doing at ESPN. That opened my eyes. Wait a minute. There's people who are doing social media, digital media, creating content, but for a greater purpose, like in churches and in nonprofits. That's interesting. Maybe God, that's what you want me to do. In 2016, I end up meeting Steve Stenstrom, who is my boss at Sports Spectrum now. He's a former NFL quarterback. He's the president of an overarching ministry called Pro Athletes Outreach that ultimately um, purchased and acquired Sports Spectrum in 2016. And we just have a conversation and I let him know kind of that I was thinking God wanted me to do more. And I don't know if that means leaving ESPN or not. And he just kind of started spitballing ideas of what it would look like to potentially restart sports spectrum back up. And I had known about sports spectrum. I knew it was the intersection of sports and faith. I'd read their magazine. I go on their website every so often, but they were looking in, in sort of a relaunch, if you will, of the brand. And that was intriguing to me. So it was this perfect storm of God, I know you want me to do more for you. God, I know you have this plan. Maybe it is to leave ESPN. I'm open if that's the case. And then meeting Steve and him coming to me and saying, how about you bring all the skills and the knowledge that you had from ESPN and working in the industry and you come try to help this sports spectrum media platform grow. And I'm thinking, this sounds perfect. And then he tells me that the offer that they can make is 40% less than what I'm making at ESPN and that it's a contract position one year, no benefits, truly a leap of faith. And I said, I got to pray on this. Obviously I need to talk to my wife and my wife wasn't too excited when I first told her that it was potentially, if I'm leaving, it was a 40% pay cut with no assurance of anything other than one year. And yet I still felt this peace to think that this was the right move. Now, in life, we don't really ever know God's plan until we look back. I believe that. We mm-hmm. think we were, we could be walking right in God's purpose and plan, but ultimately that's what faith is, right? It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see, but then it's looking back and seeing God's plan kind of orchestrate itself in, into its proper place. And so after prayer, and I told my wife, I said, listen, if this is from God, he will see us through. If this move away from ESPN is from Jason, it'll crumble and I'll probably be back at ESPN or somewhere else. I said, I'm not concerned about finding another job. I just, I'm more concerned with being obedient to Jesus. And I said, I believe he's calling me to this new venture. And I said, I'm not telling you to trust me in the sense of I got this under control, but I told my wife, I said, let's trust God that he's got this under control because I believe this is from him. And it was six years later, I can tell you it was clearly from God because I'm still working at sports spectrum and it turned into 
what was eventually a one-year contract position is now a full-time position that I've been leading our media team since 2019 and been full-time with Sports Spectrum since 2019. So God opened up more doors, Jay, than I could have ever imagined when I left ESPN. And you'd think they, those doors would open up when you're there at a place like ESPN. It wasn't until I left that he blew the doors wide open. Like between Sports Spectrum and all the work that I've gotten to do for them, which I just love and hosting the podcast and leading our media team. But I've written two books and spoke to hundreds and hundreds of people around the country um, at large conferences and churches and, and gatherings, men's groups, you name it. You know, youth groups, FCA events. I've spoken at multiple amounts of those. Like Those things, I never did any of that when I was at ESPN. I wasn't seeking it. I didn't have a desire to speak. I, I, I still don't necessarily desire to speak. But when I'm asked, I usually say yes, if I can make it work, because I believe that's just the Lord opening up a door. But all these things happened after I left. And I wasn't looking for any of them. I had zero desire to ever write one book, much less two. Um, so God just blew my, blew my mind after I left. Um, and really, it was I feel like it was just trying to be obedient to him and, and truly put you know, thy will be done, not my will be done into practice. And here we are six years later. It's crazy. Well, it's, it's awesome. And a big sports spectrum fan. So appreciate all you do uh, for that. Thank and, you. Uh, as we wrap up here, just give us a, you're a friend of FCA. So just give us a quick, just a yes. uh, 60 second overview of, of why you love FCA and, and, and what it's kind of meant to you. Yeah, I love FCA. I didn't really know about FCA probably until right after I left ESPN. I mean, I kind of knew about them beforehand, but after I left ESPN and you start to be in this ministry space, you understand there's there's really only a few ministries out there that are so focused on the idea of, as I like to say, keeping Jesus in the sports conversation, mm. right? And Sports Spectrum does that beautifully with media, mm. but FCA does that in an amazing way. Maybe the best there is mm. at doing that as far as ministry, and as far as being in the trenches with young people, with the high schoolers, with the college students, and helping them grow in faith with Christ. And it's beautiful to see. I love FCA. At the events that I've spoken at, I, I hear so many wonderful stories and testimonies from people that are in FCA huddles that are involved with FCA. And it just warms my heart to see that it's still there. There are huddles, hundreds of huddles, maybe thousands of huddles across the country that have one sole intention and goal, and that is to to share the, the love of Jesus with students and let them see that their purpose and value can be found in Christ. And it doesn't have to be found in what they do as a student or what they do as an athlete, but using the world of sports as a way to introduce the gospel. It's awesome. And I love what FCA is all about. So I'm, I'm a huge fan and I will always be a huge fan of, of what FCA stands for, what the Fellowship of Christian Athletes is all about. Well, thank you so much for uh, today. Thank you so much for just taking the time to have this conversation and being a friend to FCA. And I know that there's going to be uh, college and high school uh, athletes are going to be listening to this and, and even some, uh, you know, adults are going to be listening to this and they're going to be uh, blessed by it. Cause I know for me, I just feel like I left church service after hearing your story. So um, <laughs> thank, thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks for being part of the FCA Palm Beach County podcast. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, and I appreciate what you're doing as well. So thanks for having me on. 
I sure hope that episode fired you up as much as it fired me up. So thankful to Jason Romano for taking the time to sit down to share about his life, his faith, his time at ESPN, as well as Sports Spectrum Podcast. And also that little nugget that he shared about FCA, absolutely incredible. Now, before we go, I want to make sure to encourage you to check out FCA Palm Beach County on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. FCA Palm Beach County podcast just started their own Instagram recently, and we share reels and encouragement and also what's coming up on the podcast as well. I'd love to interact with you on there and just hear about how much you love the podcast. Also, we couldn't do this ministry without your generosity. If you'd like to learn more, please visit fcapbc.org. And if you'd like to support FCA, there'll be links in the show notes. Clinics and podcasts like this take resources to complete, and you make this possible. Thank you for helping us bring coaches and athletes into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church in Palm Beach County. We'll see you next time.